White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Deep hooray! It is gone! It's a no-hitter! Carlos Rodon! What a performance! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Welcome into White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. We've got you for two hours of White Sox conversation leading up to the pregame show at 2.30. Then we'll get that started. It is game two this afternoon between the White Sox and Red Sox at Fenway Park. 3.10 first pitch. Dylan Cease gets the ball for the White Sox. That has been guaranteed fun this season. Nick Pavetta goes for the Red Sox. He's had a rough start to the year, so hopefully the White Sox can extend the winning streak to five games. If you're still looking for the perfect Mother's Day gift, say thank you with the gift of White Sox baseball. Fans will receive a Sherpa handbag with every Mother's Day ticket purchase, uh, ticket package, rather, apologies, with every ticket package purchased. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash mom. That's WhiteSox.com slash mom. I kind of forgot it was Mother's Day coming up. I guess I should do my shopping. I'll probably do my shopping at guaranteed rate when I get back there next week and then give mom something that I told her that I got weeks ago and, and pull it off that way. Uh, welcome into the show. Happy to have you. And we are we got a big one for you today. Uh, really looking forward to a conversation with White Sox reliever Tanner Banks. He's coming up about 1245 or so. And then one of our, like here at the station and here on the White Sox radio network, one of our favorite baseball analysts, Sarah Langs, is going to join us at 115. She wrote a piece that I caught a couple of, I think a week and a half ago or so. And it was published on Baseball Savant and the MLB main page and all that kind of stuff about Andrew Vaughn and the start he got off to. And how what he's been doing and how he gets his job done is a thing that's built to stay and provide at Major League Baseball. So I, I contacted her. I, I reached out to Sarah. and I said, hey, Sarah, we loved having you on last time. Saw this piece on Andrew Vaughn. Really interested in it. Wonder if we could talk. She agreed. We're going to have her on at 115. And then Andrew Vaughn promptly went on the injured list. We are going to talk about a lot of other things, Sarah and I, about the White Sox. But we'll also talk about the start Andrew Vaughn has been off to and what it would mean for the White Sox to get him back in the lineup, which hopefully happens sooner rather than later. As always, this is your show as much as it is anybody else's. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. You want to talk a little White Sox. You want to talk about this four-game mini winning streak. You want to talk about how they stretch it to five this afternoon against the Red Sox. You want to talk about some of the things that have ailed the White Sox. I mean, literally, in some cases, this is a banged-up squad right now. It is hopefully getting more healthy when they come back home to face the Guardians on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And then they host the Yankees for a four-game series. Uh, But it is one that has gotten itself back nearly to 500. And I think that's where we're going to start this afternoon. At 12 and 13, the White Sox are one game away from hitting the break-even mark. That's meaningful to me for a lot of different reasons. Because when the White Sox finally snapped their eight-game losing streak, and you know, as they came back and got things together against the Cubs, all that kind of stuff, I was saying on post-game shows more often than not that while it was nice to see you know the winning, the actual winning of baseball games, and home runs hit by Luis Robert, and great pitching performances by guys like Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito, Tanner Banks out of the bullpen, who we're going to talk to in about ten minutes or so. You know, all that stuff was good to see. 
it just still felt like a team that hadn't put all of their pieces together yet, that it wasn't clicking on all cylinders. And I still think at this point, one game under 500, this remains a White Sox team that isn't clicking on all of its cylinders, but has begun to play better baseball in a lot of the areas that allows a team to win on the margins or win, maybe better put, with smaller margins. The offense hasn't gotten off to the first to the run that we thought a lot of these uh, offensive players would get off to, right? AJ Pollock still struggling a little bit. Jose Abreu yet to get put together a full, you know, real good Jose Abreu kind of week of baseball. This offense right now is Tim Anderson at the top and my God, is he hot at the plate. Uh, Luis Robert doing what he does. Yes, Monty Grandal has begun to draw walks. Adam Engel has had a couple of big hits. Leori Garcia has as well in the last four or five days. And it's just kind of piecemeal from there. And that's okay. You can do that as long as you are playing solid defense. And the White Sox are playing much better defense now than they had in that eight-game losing streak, obviously. And you pitch as well as the White Sox have. So far, at this point in the season... The White Sox bullpen is a top 10 bullpen in terms of wins above replacement. It's not a stat I absolutely love, you know, like a month into the season, 25 games in, wins above replacement. And it's not an end-all, be-all stat either. But if you sort by things like strikeouts per nine, which, you know, again, a bullpen stat, a top 10 team, uh, you look at things like ground ball rate, it's very difficult to hit a home run on the ground in Major League Baseball, even with this ball. Top five for the White Sox in ground ball rate out of the bullpen. So all those things are great. And, you know, the reason I bring up the bullpen is because in this first month of the season, gosh, we've talked about this a lot, we've waited for starters to get, you know, kind of back into that full workload shape. We've waited to see starts like Dylan Cease had the other day where he's going six and seven innings, where Lucas Giolito is going six and seven innings. And and that has needed... um, a longer, more sustained run by the White Sox bullpen. They've gotten it. They've gotten it in in a big, big way. And that's helped out as this offense has kind of uh, churned a little bit in the first 25 games of the season. A couple of updates. Uh, Charlotte plays this evening. It's a 5 o'clock start out east. So we'll let you know whether or not Yohan Mankata is in the lineup. He was last night. And was uh, had a great game. It was three for three with four runs driven in. Had a double, a homer, and an RBI. That makes uh, two home runs for Yohan Moncada down at AAA right now. And again, the expectation for both Moncada and reliever Joe Kelly is that they come back to the White Sox at some point in that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series against the Guardians. Wouldn't be too surprised if it's Monday for both of them. But those are you know kind of fungible dates. We'll see exactly how that goes, given how each one of them is feeling and what the rest of the roster looks like once we get to Monday. Uh, Joe Kelly threw another scoreless inning last night. One clean inning, no walks, no strikeouts. Uh, he punched out one before. He's hit a batter as well. All reports coming back really good on Joe Kelly. Uh, the other AAA name, and, and we're going to get into this a little bit later on. We've got Tanner Banks, lefty reliever for the White Sox, coming up in just a few minutes. I want to talk about the starting rotation. I know, you know, in post game shows over the last little bit, and when I'm lucky enough to do, you know, kind of hits on the station with either the Cap and J Hood show or Carmen and Yurko or Waddle and Sylvie, we've talked a lot about Dallas Keuchel in the starting rotation and what is next 
I guess, for some of those the, the bottom two guys in that rotation, I suppose. You know, because you've got Lucas at the top of things and Dylan, you know, right there nipping at his heels in terms of your one, your ace, you know, that guy right now. Obviously, Michael Kopech ain't going anywhere. This is his first full season in the rotation, and you've seen pretty clearly the promise that everybody sees in Michael Kopech in his first five starts this year. Then you've got Vincent Velasquez, who is throwing really well in his last two starts, and you have Dallas Keuchel, who is still searching for it a little bit. Johnny Cueto is this, you know, just kind of um, time clock going off down at AAA. By all reports, in eight days, not this Saturday, but next, if I have the date right, May 15th, Johnny Cueto has an option in his contract to elect free agency if he's not up with the big league club at that point. That's very common in contracts like Cueto's that signed late in spring training, especially with pitchers uh, who, who haven't gotten into a proper spring training to get themselves throwing against live competitive hitting. You'll see that a lot with veterans who sign deals like Cueto did when Cueto did relative to the start of the regular season. So, it's an option out there, which means that there's a, a clock that we've got to pay attention to a bit. Cueto's had three starts at AAA Charlotte. The first one was just knocking off rust. I pay very little attention to it. It's his first time facing live, live hitting. Fine is what it is. The next start went very well. He threw four innings, all of them scoreless, uh, six strikeouts. And in his second start, things were much bumpier. Three and two-thirds, four runs. And you can't just scout the the the, the stat lines down at AAA but apparently, uh, you know, things are getting there for Cueto. We shall see, I guess, is kind of the um, the next bit. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets one more start. I, I would actually underline the fact that he'll get one more start before May 15th. I don't think you can squeeze two in there, but maybe you could if one's shorter and the pitch count's low. We'll see what the plan is overall. I talked with Ethan Katz, White Sox pitching coach, last week, I think it was, and they're very much keeping an eye on things. They they believe Johnny Cueto can help this team at the big league level. That's why you sign him to that contract. I just don't know that anything immediate is in the offing, you know, barring any kind of injury, because you need as many innings as you possibly can. Listen, the White Sox right now have, last night, started a stretch of 18 games in 17 days. I was just, last night there were six rainouts, seven rainouts across Major League Baseball. The Dodgers are going to play 31 games in their next 30 days. This schedule is an opponent for every club in baseball. There are 30 teams in baseball right now, and there are 30 opponents. You know, there'd be your own team, and then you play 29 other teams. Now there is an extra one, and it is the schedule itself. The fact that this is so compressed and so, I mean, every day you've got another game and then sometimes a doubleheader in there, that's a lot to ask of a pitching staff. It's why when rosters shrunk from 28 to 26, that teams could still keep 14 pitchers on the rosters. I don't think that contenders like the White Sox, like the Dodgers, you know, like anybody who's at the top of the division or have made, you know, surprising runs. I don't know anybody's in the business of saying goodbye to guys who can throw major league innings. I don't think anybody's in that mood right now. I would be shocked by it, in fact. So, you know, having more arms, no contender, I've said this a lot, no contender has ever said, you know, we're good on pitching. We're fine. We're good. We don't need any more. We're all set. We're filled here. The inn is full. Everybody is looking for that next arm to help them out down the road. 
Uh, one of those guys that has certainly helped out the White Sox early on was a dude that shown early in spring training. In fact, game one, I was calling the game with Steve Stone on the television side and out walks Tanner Banks from the bullpen. My goodness, did he look good? And then he walked back into the bullpen and threw a couple more games for the White Sox in spring training before making the roster for the very first time as a 30-year-old rookie. Tanner Banks is going to be our guest when we come back here on White Sox Weekly. Looking forward to talking with him. I, I've only had the chance to, to shake his hand and say hello while the White Sox were um, you know, home for a couple of games. Just haven't had a chance to speak with him much. Looking forward to, uh, to that interview coming up in a bit so you can get to know a White Sox lefty that has meant a lot to this bullpen to start the season. Uh, Tanner also made his very first trip to Fenway Park. One of the dozens of things I'm jealous of Tanner Banks of, you know, working in the major leagues and having gone to Fenway Park, all that stuff. We'll talk to him about seeing one of the most storied sites in Major League Baseball when we come back. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Lots to get to this afternoon. And all the White Sox talk you can handle right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Sox fans, join us for Southside Mondays, presented by United Airlines. Every Monday, watch the Sox rep the Southside jerseys and honor small businesses making an impact on the Southside. Each Southside Monday ticket includes up to $20 in concession credit added to your mobile ticket. To purchase, visit whitesox.com slash Mondays. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Expected to be joined by Tanner Banks in just a moment. In fact, we are expecting to be joined by Tanner Banks because he is on the phone right now. I, Tanner, appreciate you coming on, my man. Thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, we only got a chance to shake hands and say hello briefly in the clubhouse. Life seems to be going pretty well for you and the White Sox since then. How you been? I've been well. Thanks for having me, Connor. Absolutely. Hey, so you have had a really interesting last week or so. Uh, trips to Wrigley Field and Fenway Park as a rookie in the bigs. How cool is it to see like, and, and walk around and work in literal history built by bricks? You know, it's super cool. I've only seen these ballparks in video games or in pictures. <laughs> but uh, not only getting to see these these ballparks, but to experience them with my family. Um, like you'd mentioned, it's it's pretty incredible to think that some of the greats in baseball history have graced the same halls that we get to play in. And to look at some of these ballparks and think that they're over 100 years old, you know, they've done an incredible job of keeping them up and obviously getting to play there after it always being just kind of a, a dream or a, like a somewhere off in my imagination um it's pretty cool so uh, i being born in chicago obviously i've I've been to wrigley field a whole bunch of times it's it's breathtaking i mean it it just is it's breathtaking what i've never been to fenway now having been there and walked around i guess you and and gavin sheets and a couple other guys kind of walked around and toured the green monster and stuff what should i put on the top of my list should i make it out to fenway park oh man um every day they've got tours going on They've got the tour guys that take everybody around the park, you know. Um, in terms of, like, the grandstands, they're very similar to Wrigley, but obviously you've got the monster, and then the seating in the outfield is a bit different. But I would recommend doing the tour, not having done it personally, but, like, walking around the stadium and thinking, man, I wonder what's original architecture here, what's, oh, yeah. what's been preserved, what's new, what's old. Because um, just walking around the concourse, They've done an excellent job of putting some of those or 
I guess, keeping some of those old pieces of history in and around the ballpark. So obviously everything's got a story and being with the the tour guides that know the stories and the and the background information be really cool. It's wild to think, you know, Len was talking about it last night on our broadcast. Obviously, like, you know, the flat screens and stuff out there, they're not original to the ballpark, but I didn't know. I, I don't didn't know. know <laughs> I, right? Uh, maybe there's a 42-inch that's really nice. I Did you know the monster isn't original to Fenway? I, I learned that literally last night listening to Len Casper. I know the uh, Statue of Liberty came over from across the ocean, but I did not know that. <laughs> See, that's that's the kind of stuff you pick up along the way through a long minor league career. I, I want to, Tanner Banks, our guest here on White Sox Weekly, obviously your your story is well known to White Sox fans at this point. Can you can you describe what it is to be that kind of guy on a big league team in contention right now? I mean, you are, you are a story guy on this squad. You know, it's, it's something that everyone dreams about. Everyone dreams about playing in the major leagues as a kid. Um, through most of my career, I, I I mean, I was a starter up until last year. Last year was my first year working out of the bullpen. And I always wondered if I got the chance to play in the major leagues, what would my role be? And having had success last year and then going into spring training and having success this year, um, I, mean, I tried to keep an open mind, like taking advantage of every opportunity that I've gotten. But being able to get to this point now, um, I mean, it's definitely been surreal. But... I, I guess the only thing I can say is, like, for anyone who has those aspirations and is in any kind of position to to strive and to work for those things, never give up. Because, you know, I was eight years in the minor leagues, and, yeah, I had a great support system, but it was something that I worked for every day, and I dreamt of it. And it's actually funny, um, speaking of, like, manifesting things. Yeah. My wife and I did a guaranteed rate puzzle this off season. We're like, we're going to put it out in the universe. We're going to build this puzzle. We're going to frame it. We're going to put it on the wall. That's no the way. <laughs> and it came sooner than we expected, getting to break with the team. But um, definitely having you know those those dreams and aspirations and and a reason why you're working for something gives you that motivation day in and day out through ups and downs and all that to continue forward to push towards achieving that. So you, you've said a couple of times to, to different reporters who've been like, oh, Tanner Banks, who's it? That, that adding velocity was a huge part to why you got from where you are to where you are now. And I think a lot of fans around the league, especially nowadays, go, oh, he added like three or four miles an hour to his fastball. Way to go. He probably went to driveline and crushed a Red Bull with some guys, and then he's all good to go. It is, it is so much more than that to add two or three clicks to a fastball. What what did it take for you, talking about dedication? You know, that's a funny question because it's different for everybody. Some people are too tight. Some people change their arm path. Some people need to drive better or use their legs better. Some people need better hip-shoulder separation. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. For me, um, using my legs was important, but learning how to use them appropriately like i've found through trial and error and i mean eight years of being a guy that was 87 to 90 miles an hour um finally figuring out how to use my lower half right and you know working with some of the white Sox staff to do that and to get that 
that right. Um, I was working with uh, the core velocity belt with our rehab coordinator sure. in Arizona. And I went up to him, his name's Donnie Veal, and I was like, Donnie, if I buy into this program, like, what could happen? You know, I I don't want to necessarily, like, shoot myself in the foot by changing something at this point in my career. And he's like, well, you could gain, you know, three or four or five miles an hour. And I kind of looked at him and shook my head like, that's not possible. Like, I've been doing this too long to know that I'm not just going to gain four miles an hour. <laughs> and so I worked with him, I worked with him, I worked with him. My next outing, I went out and I was like 91, 94. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious? <laughs> and I, I kind of flip-flopped back and forth, um, like feeling what the belt helped me to feel and my old mechanics. And uh, I was talking to a teammate who had, had been up, Jace Fry, and I was like, hey, you know, is it worth me potentially losing what I had mm. and taking these these gains in stride? Um, you know, maybe my deception or movement on my pitches will be different. And he's like, honestly, when you start checking those boxes, like velocity, movement, things like that, um, he basically said, like, that's what's going to get the attention of, like, the front office and the people that that make decisions on, like, who stays and who goes. How quickly did you notice, Tanner, once you started throwing, you know, that 92, 94 kind of thing, that the mistakes you made, when you did make mistakes, you could get away with more of them just because you were working faster, or because you were throwing harder, I should say. Yeah, it was, it was actually funny. Um, that my first outing in AAA last year, I was like, I'm not going to do these new mechanics because I need to come out and throw strikes. Like, I need to perform. And I think I struck one guy out. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, oh, here we go. Like, we're back on this train of – of throwing four or five innings and getting one or two strikeouts and outing. <laughs> and uh, I, next outing, it's like, okay, I don't want to be this 88, 89 guy when I know I can be 93, 94. And my next outing, I went out in kind of a big situation for me, and I was aggressive. I went for it. I basically jumped with both feet and – after the game, my pitching coach came up to me, and he was like, basically, if you keep pitching like that, he's like, you don't have to be the cute, like, finesse pitcher. He's like, if you pitch like that, you're a power pitcher, yeah. and you need to attack like that. And the results were immediate. I mean, I wasn't trying to nibble and pick and be fine. I could get ahead with a guy and put a guy away, you know, three or four pitches, which was new to me. And it's still, I mean, every day is a learning process, but... um it's still something that, like, the approach changes day in and day out based on who you're facing and, and you know, what you feel that day. But to know that for anyone who's going down that road, like, there's always something else that can be done. You can always make a change or, or make an adjustment, but to keep an open mind and to always be open to any kind of change or, you know, advice that someone gives you because it took me until I was 29 years old to find that. And if I could have found that when I was 23 or 24, I'd like to think my career would be a little bit different. But with that being said, I wouldn't change anything, you know. With with so much out there to, to help amplify performance, that's such awesome advice is just to keep an open mind. It's so much more meaningful than, than – 
than how simple it sounds. That's a, that's a really impressive kind of mindset, man. When you think about any of the great pitchers out there, like I like to think of like a Clayton Kershaw and a Max Scherzer that have been doing it for how many years, you know, no one guy that's been playing that long has done the exact same thing year in and year out. They've yep. made adjustments. They've added. They've subtracted, you know. That's... And it's an ever-changing game. I mean, the game that was played here 100 years ago at Fenway is probably a little different than the game that's played here now. <laughs> Shoot, the baseball we're using this year from last year seems to be a little bit different. We're playing a different game there, you know? It's kind of different every game. Yeah, I suppose it might be. We're going to talk about that maybe next week. Tanner, I-, I really appreciate it, man. It was great sitting down and talking with you. Uh, continued best of luck, and uh, we'll talk soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You got it. Tanner Banks, lefty reliever for the White Sox. That is some, man, you want to hear about what it is to be a minor leaguer for eight, nine years and then hit the bigs. You want to hear mindset. You want to hear about manifesting it into the ether. That right there from Tanner Banks is what it's all about. That's some impressive stuff. Um, Got some news coming out from the White Sox. We'll get to that in just a moment. This is White Sox Weekly. You can grab your friends and head to the park for Miller Lite bleachers and brews. Get one ticket and two beers starting at 27 bucks all season long. You must be 21 and over with a valid ID. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash brew. We've got some news on the White Sox rotation coming up. We'll get you that when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. You should join us on Friday, May 13th for Rock and Roll Night and Fireworks presented by Guaranteed Rate as the Chicago White Sox host the New York Yankees at 7.10 p.m. Guaranteed Rate, faster results, faster way home. Get started today at rate.com to purchase tickets. Visit whitesox.com. Rock and Roll Night's going to be fun. May 13th against the Yankees should be fun. Hopefully the White Sox are back over 500 by that point. They've got a chance to break even today. They are 12-13 and 13 and hosting the Red Sox this afternoon. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. We just got done talking with Tanner Banks, White Sox lefty reliever. We could have talked for another, honest to goodness, we could have another 15 minutes of that interview. Uh, Sarah Langs is coming up at 115. She is a tremendous analyst for MLB and MLB Network. Uh, you're going to want to hear what she has to say about the White Sox. She wrote a very good piece, a uh, very in-depth piece about Andrew Vaughn uh, and what he'd been doing prior to being hit on the hand two Friday nights ago now. Is that right? Yeah, two Friday nights ago now against the Angels. Uh, Vaughn's on the injured list now, but we'll still talk about him because he's very important to the White Sox this season. Uh, we'll talk about the other places the White Sox have succeeded and where they could get a little bit better. Uh, those are some places that you likely already know, and they may kind of uh, be contained in this little bit of news that's coming out from Boston. Daryl Van Scowen, among others. Daryl covers the White Sox for the Sun-Times and does an awesome job. Uh, He also likes a good cup of coffee, so I respect him for that. Daryl tweeted this. Here's your rotation for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Obviously, today it's Dylan Cease and Nick Pavetta. The White Sox have a decided edge in terms of starting pitcher as Dylan Cease is 3-1 with a 2-4-8 ERA and just... I mean, quite frankly, dealing lately. Uh, Nick Pavetta is 0-4 for the Red Sox. Starting records are what they are, but the 7-8-4 ERA, a little bit of a rough one. Tomorrow, that is a Dallas Keuchel start. Remember, tomorrow's game is at 10.35. Our pregame show is at 10 o'clock. I'll make coffee here at the station. You kind of have to deal. You make your own coffee, but we'll all hang out together and watch Red Sox play the White Sox 
tomorrow morning at 10.35. That pitching matchup, Dallas Keuchel and Michael Huaca, who's off to a very good start for the Boston Red Sox. Then, here's the news. On Monday, Zach Plesak is scheduled to go for the Guardians. Michael Kopech will start that game for the White Sox. Lucas Giolito on Tuesday against Cal Quantrill of the Guardians. Wednesday will be Aaron Savale and TBD for the White Sox. Now, that would be Vincent Velazquez's regular start. That'd be regular rest for Velazquez on Wednesday. He has pitched really well lately. Five and two-thirds, a shutout ball against the Angels in his uh, two starts ago, and then just the other night against the uh, against the Red Sox, he went five and gave up one, walked two, struck out two, gave up three hits, wasn't as dominant as he was against a much better Angels offense, did get squeezed a little bit, and overall, I, I thought the arsenal was right where you wanted it to be for Vincent Velasquez. Johnny Cueto is in the conversation for Wednesday's start against the Guardians. Johnny Cueto has thrown three starts at AAA Charlotte. We were just talking about him before we had our conversation with Tanner Banks, which, by the way, if you missed it or you missed any of our White Sox weekly shows, just download the ESPN Chicago app. All the shows are downloadable for your leisure and listening. If you missed some of the interviews and all that kind of stuff, you can go back and listen to that. We had Gavin Sheets on a couple of weeks ago. That was a good talk. Had Tanner Banks on just a little while ago. So, there it is. It's out there. It is possible that Johnny Cueto comes up on Wednesday against the Guardians and makes his White Sox debut. I, quite frankly, it's a 110 start for those of you keeping score at home or setting your schedules. Uh, quite frankly, I don't know exactly what kind of roster move would be made in order to clear space for Johnny Cueto. And I think that's probably a good thing. I think it means that there are enough pitchers pitching well enough that it makes it a difficult roster decision for the White Sox to go ahead and add Johnny Cueto onto the roster. There's not one guy. I really think this. There's not one guy that you just go, oh, okay, well, this guy's got to go. This is an easy decision. Johnny Cueto replaces meh in the White Sox pitching staff and then just slot him in for Wednesday's start. I don't think, as many have asked and talked about and wondered, I don't think that anything imminent is going on with with Dallas Keuchel. There are needed innings that you can get from Dallas Keuchel still. You can't option him. Obviously, he's a vested veteran. He's got a contract, that whole thing. Saying goodbye to Dallas Keuchel would likely mean that you're saying goodbye and offering him to other teams via waivers or something like that. Dallas has had a rough start, but I don't think that the White Sox, like many other contenders in this game, are are willing to just toss innings out the window and go, ah, we don't need these. I don't think they're in that business. And I know others have said, you know, others in town, others who I, I, I truly like and respect have, are, are not of that mindset, are, are willing to move on. I, I just don't think that's prudent, especially in a schedule and season that looks the way this one does. What could be possible, you know, we just talked to Tanner Banks. He's the second lefty in the White Sox bullpen right now. Second of three, as I term it. But he's kind of the long guy, right? We saw him throw four innings of relief for Dallas Keuchel in a start against the Guardians uh, back a couple of weeks ago. That's been helpful for the White Sox for sure to take that bulk. We already know that Aaron Bummer has had a bit of an uneven start to the season, but his last couple outings have been very good. The other night he got a bunch of ground balls against the Red Sox. Really solid stuff for Bummer. He's that top lefty. The next two are Banks and Bennett Sousa. Sousa has options. I wouldn't be too surprised if that's a guy that maybe heads back down to AAA, though he's been pretty good for the White Sox. But in order to clear room, maybe you're doing something like 
holding Dallas Keuchel and Johnny Cueto, if that's going to be the roster move that the White Sox make, and Vincent Velasquez, and saying, okay, guys, have at it. In fact, that makes the most sense to me. Because the White Sox last night just started a stretch of 18 games in 17 days. They've got a doubleheader against the Kansas City Royals coming up on the 17th. That is not next Tuesday, but the one after that. Then they've got the Yankees in New York. It's, it's five games in four days against Kansas City in Kansas City. Then the off day on Monday the 23rd, three against Boston here at home. Off day on the 27th, two against the Cubs, off day on the 30th. It is a, it's a really weird, wacky schedule, but that's, that's what it needed to be, I guess, to get 162 in. You have a lot of innings over the next three weeks or so to cover. And I don't think the Sox are, are, are ready, poised, to make decisions that have to be permanent. So that's the news. Daryl Van Scowen tweeting it out just a little bit ago, as of other White Sox beat reporters, intrepids, all of them, that Johnny Cueto is in the conversation for Wednesday's start against the Guardians. This, is, this was the purpose of signing Johnny Cueto when and how you signed him. You know, giving him that minor league option, so that he could get up to live hitters and, and see what he's got and see how what he's dealing and how fast he's throwing and what it takes to work around some you know potentially big league hitters who want to hurt you. It's looked okay so far. Johnny Cueto is a veteran. He's a two-time All-Star. He's 36 years old. He's certainly not the Johnny Cueto uh, that was the All-Star, but he's got a bunch of different tools in the tool belt. You know, he's got the... He's got the one shimmy delivery. He's got the two shimmy delivery. He's got the three shimmy delivery. I've literally seen the man shimmy four times and then deliver a pitch. He's a lot of fun to watch, at the very least. So that could be a fun Wednesday start to see what Johnny Cueto has against the Guardians. You know, that said, all of that said, being able to throw Johnny Cueto into this mix is is kind of an interesting luxury that the White Sox have. They've, I mean, pitching, for the large part, pitching's been the strength of this team over the first 25 games of the season. Whether that's been Lucas, even though he got hurt, whether that's been Dylan Cease or Michael Kopech, Tanner Banks out of the bullpen, the stuff Matt Foster's been doing. Liam Hendricks has had some ups and downs, sure, but he seems on lockdown over the last couple of outings, last couple of saves. So that's been some good stuff. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. We'll head out to the lines right now. In Byron, it's Mike. What's up, Mike? You're on White Sox Weekly. Hey, Connor. How you doing? Doing well, man. Good. Uh, I wanted you to talk about the relievers. Uh, isn't Joe Kelly in a rehab start right now? you got to make room for him coming up next week, don't you? That's right. Uh, Mike, appreciate you pointing it out. Joe threw a scoreless inning last night. He's thrown two scoreless total, if memory serves. Uh, and, yeah, the expectation is that Joe Kelly's coming back up into this bullpen at some point. Uh, during the Guardian series. So that's Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. That's another move the Sox may potentially have to make uh, that, that would shake around the bullpen. Remember, there are 14 pitcher limits right now in the bigs. So that does keep a, a, a bit of a handle on how many guys you can have in that um, in the in the bullpen, in the staff. And then the expectation is, again, that on the 29th of this month, the rosters will go back to a 13 pitcher limit. That's not set in stone, but it is possible. Kelly's another guy that can be very impactful. And, and I guess, you know, up until about a week ago, I probably would have said, well, Kelly for Matt Foster, and that's it. That's all. You replace a righty with a righty, that kind of thing. Foster's been nails, man. He's been terrific, especially in that outing against the Cubs. 
throwing that low fastball and freezing Ian Happ to end a threat. That's big time stuff. We got to hit the break. Sarah Lang's MLB Network is going to join us. She is one of our absolutely favorite baseball analysts. We're going to talk to her about a piece she wrote about Andrew Vaughn and a lot of other things concerning the White Sox and American League Central. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. But Sarah Lang's joins us next on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network.